Today's reading is from Colossians 3, 12 through 17. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you, and over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace. And be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Amen. I'll grab that from you. Thank you, sir. All right. We're going to start off with just a quick word of prayer, and then we will dive into today's message. I invite you guys to pray with me. Heavenly Father, you're a good God. Lord, you are a God who is worthy of our worship, worthy of our praise, worthy of a life devoted to you. Lord, and so I pray that as we dive into what is worship and what are you asking of us, Lord, not just when we come to gather together, not just when we sing but Father, Lord, in the day-in, day-out moments, Lord, I pray that you help shape, Lord, that you help renovate our minds. Lord, we say this all in your Son's precious name. Amen. So we are in a season of transition, both heading into the sweltering summer that is Texas. I was talking to someone a little bit earlier today about how my Michigan roots teach me that you don't go outside from November through like March in Michigan. I have to invert that when I'm in Texas, right? And just kind of flip it around of like, no, 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 you don't go outside from like, you know, June to August. You find ways to survive the heat, right? So we're in a seasonal transition. But we're also in a transition as a church, right? So a few weeks ago, Tanner moved on. He's now doing some cabinetry making, which is awesome. And so we've been rethinking and re-putting together worship for the summer. And it really got me thinking, so what is worship? Because we, we could just go through the motions, right? Okay, we're going to sing some songs. We're going to keep doing what we've always done. But for me, there, there was this heart. There was this, this passion to be like, no, I, I want to get deeper into the actual reasons why we do this. So that sent me on my own personal journey, and we had this couple two-week gaps between when we were going to start the Red Letter Challenge and when we were ending our last sermon series. I'm like, you know what? Let's dive into worship a little bit. And so last week, we literally went through an entire psalm, and we talked about why we sing. We talked about the character of the God that we have, a God who loves us and fights for us, a God who can move, a God who sees us as we are. And so we really walked through the why do we worship? Why do we sing? And singing certainly is a part of what worship looks like in the Old and in the New Testament. But, but it's more than just that. In fact, what we're going to see today is worship isn't primarily about what happens in this building. It's about what happens when we're out living with and, and for God. That, that's what this whole Colossians section of Scripture is all about. And we're going to literally read through it and kind of unpack what that looks like for our lives. So it's going to start off. Therefore, I get into one word and we got to stop. All right, so here's a little tool that you can use when you are reading the Bible. Whenever you see in the New Testament the word therefore, that is a Greek tool. In Greek, literally, it's a conjunction, but it's a conjunction with a point. It's saying there is a cause somewhere before what I said, and so this is the effect, right? So if we're going to really look and say, okay, before we get into this, when you see therefore, backstop a moment, 
take a breath and like, okay, what was Paul just talking about? And just a couple verses before, he says these words. He says, do not lie to each other. Since you have taken off your old self, its practices, and put on your new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge, in the image of its creator. And I'm going to actually jump over here. It's easier for me. See, uh, here there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Syrian, slave or free, but all is in Christ, and Christ is in all. Don't lie to each other. Put off this old thing and, and put on this new thing specifically by renewing your mind. And this word renew is one of my favorite in Greek because it actually comes from the word renovate. How many of you guys have ever helped renovate a house? Have you guys ever done that before? All right? It's fun. It's terrifying. You never know what you're going to find behind a wall. Certainly in my house, God bless the former owners, but like really you just never know what's going to happen. We found out we have like four roofs on our house, literally. Different like easements, the whole nine. You never know what you're going to find in a renovation. But, but the heart of it is the same. You're going to take something old out and, and you're going to put something new in. And so when Paul is writing to the church and he's saying, y'all, how God wants you to live, the first step of that is realizing you're going to take something out and you're going to put something in. And it's going to take time. It's going to be a project. It's going to be a process. Because I would love to tell you, y'all, as soon as you know who Jesus is, as soon as he's in your heart, you're going to be perfect, right? That you've just got it fully figured out. You got Jesus. You're good to go. But all that old head trash is still there, right? The brokenness, the years of doing things the wrong way, being backwards in how we think and how we relate to the world, all of that junk is still there. And so God has a process, a way to renovate our minds, it says, to take off our old self and to start building our new self, as Paul says, in the image of our creator. He tells the church in Rome, Romans chapter 12, by the renewing of your mind is the spiritual act of worship. It's the same word. By the renovating of our mind, when we let God in to start taking out the old head trash, the sinful ways, the broken ways, and putting in his ways, that's the start of worship. And it's that therefore then that he starts to walk through. So how do we do that? What is the process? What are the tools to take out the old junk and, and to put in the new stuff? So he starts off and he says, therefore, right, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved. Therefore, since you're God's kids. Therefore, since you have been clothed in Christ, that you are righteous in Christ. That word righteous, again, we get it confused so often. We think it means like super holy or like better than. No, no, no. Righteous literally means right relationship. And what scripture says is we have a right relationship with God because of Jesus. We get his right relationship. We get to be God's holy and dearly loved children. He pours that into us. So therefore... Because we want to renew our minds, and, and because we're God's kids, we do something. And so what do we do? Clothe yourself with compassion, with humility, with kindness, with gentleness, with patience. Right? This is a shorthand for clothe yourself with the fruits of the Spirit. 
We read Galatians a couple weeks ago where it says love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control, these very counter-cultural, counter-worldly ways of doing things. And Paul says, clothe yourself in that. Right? But this is hard. Now, this is really hard because, again, I would love to say there's a prayer that you can pray. And you're going to pray this prayer one time, you're going to pray it every morning, and you're going to be perfectly patient, perfectly gentle, perfectly forgiving throughout the whole day. But that's not how it works. That's not how the renovation happens. The renovation happens as life happens. And it's complicated, and it's hard, and it's messy, and it's kind of ugly when it starts. It's definitely ugly for me when it starts. Right, so I, I'm going to give you guys a little look, a little way that this renovation can happen in my own life. So I talk a lot right, about how when I drive, that's when the old Josh self comes out the hardest, right? Because like, I'm not going to actually see anyone else. I can't even see their face, right? But someone cuts me off. They're not driving as fast as they want. Pretty much anyone who's in front of me right, qualifies as someone who's driving the wrong way. And so I started getting convicted. Like, man, I, I really... I, I, I want to get beyond this. I want a new self when I'm driving. I want to be a better representative of Jesus when I'm driving my car. Right? So I would love to tell you, it just starts with me praying, God, help me be a better representative, and boom, it works. But that's not how it works. For me, what happens is someone cuts me off and I honk my horn. But then God's spirit comes in and kind of pokes me a little bit. And I'm like, oh, crap, I don't want to do that. And so in that moment, I pray and I ask God, you know what, can we renovate this a little bit? Can we work on this a little bit? And then someone else cuts me off the next day and I honk my horn again. I'm like, oh! But, but what ended up happening is in that moment, I pause just a little bit more. And then what ends up happening is as I keep talking to God, the next time someone cuts me off, and this has literally been happening over the next couple of weeks, my hand goes for the horn, right? Like I am like instinctively built to reflect like, he. Nope, nope, we don't want to do that. And, and then eventually, as we pray, eventually, as God renovates our minds, we naturally don't go for the horn. We naturally become more patient. You see, when we talk about the fruits of the Spirit, when we talk about wanting to live differently, when we want to be clothed in those things, first we're going to see the sin. First we're going to see where we're not doing it. And that's okay because we have a guy who specializes in broken, sinful people and says, I still forgive you. But then in that breath, we can reflect on it and we can go to him with it and say, God, and I, and I want to get better. I don't want to swear as much. You, you know, I don't want to argue with my spouse or my, my kids as much. And, and so we keep going back when we see those gaps and we say, God, please work on me here. And when we keep doing that, the renovation continues, and all of a sudden, some of that old stuff in my head, the stuff with the mold and the mildew and, and, the, and the broken beams, that stuff gets taken out, and God starts putting something new, something good in its wake. But that's how we live with these fruits of the Spirit. That's how we get them to grow. By bringing them to God when there's a gap and asking him to do something different. And y'all, the good news is he is going to do something different in your life. He's going to start doing something different in your relationships and how you relate. Because God doesn't just want a right relationship with you. He wants you to have a right relationship with everyone in your life. And then Paul continues on. And he says, so bear, one, bear with each other and forgive each other. 
And if anyone has any grievance against someone, forgive just as God forgave you. And so now we get into the secret sauce of Christianity. This is what makes Christians different than any other religion, is our whole basis is based off of forgiveness. We're not based off some perfect moral code. We're not based off of do these things. Instead, the heartbeat of our life, the heartbeat of our faith is God saying, I forgive you. I love you. And as he forgives us, our heart keeps beating. And so Paul writes to the church in Colossae and he says, hey, as God forgave you, now I want you to go and and forgive others. And in this, we get justice versus just as relationships. So biblical justice is biblical outcomes. That's literally what it means. And so sometimes that could be an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, right? Someone steals from me, so they go to jail or I get my stuff back. You do this, so what is the biblical outcome in that situation? But so often, when we in the world think of justice, and not just here in America, but all across the world, when we say that we're justice, we mean getting what you deserve. We mean the eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. You hurt me, so I get to hurt you back. But what God saw in the eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, the end result is always the same. Everyone ends up blind. Everyone ends up without teeth. Everyone ends up hurt and hurting. So moving from justice to just as relationships. Not an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, but just as Christ forgave me, so I'm called to forgive. Just as God loves me in my brokenness and when I'm challenging and when I'm not living out the fruits of the Spirit, we're called to live in that type of relationship with one another. And it's hard and it's complicated, but it's good. And and that's where the life is. That's what that reflection looks like. Paul continues on. He says, And over all of these virtues, put on love, which binds them together in perfect unity. It really is all about love. That's why when Jesus' disciples and the crowds come to him, they're like, Hey, can you just tell us what the rules are? And he says, Sure. Love God with everything you got. And love your neighbor as yourself. And one of the cool things about love and learning to love in the rhythms of the Spirit and the fruits of the Spirit, 1 John tells us there is no temptation to sin in love. Do you know how liberating that is? When we learn to live in that posture, when we let God continue to do that renovation in our minds where love becomes the thing that unifies us, the posture that fills, even when there is contention, even when there are gaps in relationship, when it's love that's filling in those gaps. First John says there's no temptation to sin because in love, anything goes. The the whole world, God says, is yours. And in love, anything you do is going to turn out in rhythm with our Father. That is good news, the way how the Spirit works through that. And again, sometimes we can distort that in our own minds, or we can be like, oh no, I'm really doing this because I love you. You're like, eh, there may be some of the old self there, right? It's like, 
yes, 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 I love you, but I'm also right. You guys ever get in those relationships? You're like, this, this, that's what, but no, no, no. God's asking us to just as love each other. And in that, that love unites us and binds us and, and helps us lean in differently into relationships. Paul continues on. He says, and let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace. There is some really liberating truth in this, because we live in a really broken world, right? I mean, this week, it was really clear we live in a broken world with what happened in Novi, right? How, how do we let peace rule in our hearts when something like that happens? How do we let peace rule when we just look at a broken world and we're like, that's... How? This is the good news in this moment, that we're allowed to care, but not carry. That's how we get peace. Everyone in this room should be heartbroken and devastated by what happened this week. God is heartbroken and devastated by what happened this week. We are supposed to care. And we're supposed to pray. And when we have opportunities to lean in, whether it's financially or through relationships or social networks or whatever else, yes, we are supposed to care, but we are not called to carry it. And that's where real peace comes from. Because we live in this broken world, right? We live in a world that specializes in destruction and hurt and, and just tearing apart relationships and communities and tribalism, all this mess. And we would be plain pretend if we're just like, oh, no, 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 I've got God, so I'm going to be loving and caring and just completely separate. No, that's not what God calls us to. We are allowed to care, but the grace that we get is we are not called to carry it. We're not called to be the sole person who's going to fix it. Instead, we're called to simply love the next neighbor God puts in our path. And do you know who your neighbor is? Whoever God's put in your path. That's the simplest definition of who your neighbor is. Sometimes we can be like, okay, so is it my actual physical neighbor, right? Or, or is it the, the person whose locker is next to mine? Or is it my grandma? The answer to all of that is yes. But the simplest explanation is your neighbor is whoever God has placed in your path in that moment. And how do we care for them? How we love them without having to carry all of the hurt, without having to put it on and say, okay, and now God expects me, God wants me to walk around with this. No. God's carrying the world. We as his children are simply called to do the next right thing in the moment that God gives us. To lean in there, to love, and then to let that peace, which transcends all understanding, Scripture says, guard our hearts and our minds. I love that section of uh, uh, chapter 4 of Philippians. Right? Because when the, when the world is so loud and so chaotic and so hurtful and so hurting, we have that promise Again, as we continue to let that old self, which wants to carry everything, by the way, which wants to solve everything, to, to let that be removed so we can do something else. He continues on. And be thankful. Living a life of gratitude. 
I am uh, grateful that we have a lot of folks in recovery uh, in this church, whether it's from drugs or alcohol, the like. And there's a statement in recovery that I've taken to heart. When my gratitude is higher than my expectations, I have a pretty good day. That's, that's the life that God calls us as his kids to live, to learn to be grateful. And all of us have expectations. All of us have wants, right? Maybe you want a new job or a new house, or you wanted to go on vacation and it rains, or you really wanted a really healthy, happy family reunion and it just all blew up and went all sideways, right? We have expectations and they're not bad, right? A lot of the expectations, a lot of the hopes that we have are good things. But when we frame our relationship to God and we are intentional about being grateful, when we are intentional about saying, God, in this moment, I want to remember the daily bread you have provided me. I want to remember who you are and a God who is worthy of my praise even through difficult situations. I want to remember just the opportunities that you've given me that have gotten me to this place when my gratitude is higher than my expectations to God. Y'all will have much better days. I have much better days. And the cool thing is that is straight from Scripture. Throughout the Psalms, throughout Christ's ministry, throughout the epistles, this remembrance that we have a God who is worthy of our praise, who is fighting for us. And when we focus on that, not in the gaps of our hopes and our expectations, we just are in a place of worship so much easier. And then it ends. So let this message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with wisdom through psalms and hymns and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. Right? So surrounding ourselves with a story of God. So that's what we do when we come to worship on a Sunday morning, right? We re-enter into the story of who our God is, what he's doing through the words of the Apostles' Creed, through song, through message, it's just giving each other hugs, right? We surround ourselves with God's story, but not just here, but through our daily lives, right? Whether it's through individual prayer, reading through scripture, stuff like the Red Letter Challenge, if I continue to plug that, right? Opportunities we have to be able to say, God, I, I want to remember the story that I am in that you've been working a lot longer than the 37 years I've been here on this earth. That you've been faithful to your people a lot longer than you've been even faithful to me, that from generation to generation, we have a God who is fighting for you and for your family and for this world. We surround ourselves with hymns and songs and stories that reinforce that gratitude, that reinforce that life. And then he ends, and whatever you do, whether in word or in deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to your Father through him. This last part is going to be really simple, and it's going to be really difficult. If you can't do it for Jesus, don't do it. Let me say that again. If you can't justify doing it for Jesus don't do it. And don't take this as, okay, so every moment I've got to just go and serve and pour myself out over and over and over again, and, and I, I can't eat what I want, or I, I can't go on vacation. That's, no, no, no. God wants you to go on vacation. God wants you to say thank you. God wants to give you good things as his father. So this isn't a, hey, now you don't get anything. That's not what scripture is about. 
And yet, so often, we get wrapped up in our old self doing things that we would never justify for doing for Jesus. Man, I really want to comment on that social media post. Can you justify doing it for Jesus? Then don't do it. Man, I really want to send that text message back to my spouse or back to this family member. (laughs) Can you justify doing it for Jesus? And if the answer is no, then don't. And if the answer is yes, then celebrate it. Live in it. Be thankful for it. But using that as our litmus test, because there are going to be times where we are going to have an option and the road's going to split two ways. And again, for me, one of the easiest ways to decide is to just ask, is this for Jesus? If yes, then the words of Luther, sin boldly, right? Go all in, knowing that you have a God who's fighting for you. And even if it's the quote unquote wrong decision, he's with you and he's going to fix the mess, right? But if it's not, then just walk away. Don't hit enter. Don't hit send. Give yourself time to breathe. Go back and say, you know what, God, in this moment, I I want those fruits of the Spirit. I want to be clothed in gentleness and humility and kindness and compassion. I I want to see you reflected in my life. And in the moments where we don't do that and we, we take the other one, we hit the button, we go nuclear, that's okay too because we have a God who specializes in forgiveness, but use that moment. Use that as an opportunity to say, you know what, God, I, I, I didn't mean to honk the horn. Well, actually, I did. No, no, that's, that's a lie. I meant to honk the horn, but I don't want to honk the horn next time. I, I want to be more like you. I want that renovation to continue. I want to live a life of worship and of gratitude that reflects you. And the good news is we have a God who forgives us in that moment. So we're going to go into a time of confession and absolution. I invite you guys to pray with me. Heavenly Father, Lord, that old self, that old man, that old way of living, it is so hard to get rid of. Lord, there are habits that we have gotten into, lifestyles that we have gotten into, Lord, that have taken decades to create. And yet so often, Lord, those, those habits, they hurt people, they hurt relationships, they don't reflect you our creator. Lord, and so we are heartbroken to confess that we're part of the problem that's in this world. Lord, that through our actions and our words, our thoughts, things that we have done and left undone, Father, Lord, we have not reflected you in a way that is worthy. But Lord, we are bold to confess because your word, your scripture says, if we confess our sins, you are faithful, that you are just, and you forgive us our sins. And so church, the heartbeat of grace covers you. Your sins are forgiven. God remembers them no more. And we are sent out to continue that renovation process. Amen.